Welcome to Factor Magri. And Happy New Year. Each week on Factor Magri, I talk with farmers and producers, industry, the science community, and policymakers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. Beef and Lamb this year are running roadshows discussing and seeking farmer engagement and feedback on two alternatives to the ETS for farmers. Over the next two episodes, I have Sam MacGyver, Beef and Lamb CEO, on the show to discuss their involvement in the Hiwaki Ekanoa program and what farmers can expect from the roadshows. Let's check in with Sam now. Hello, Sam. Thank you for your time today. No, thank you for the opportunity. Today, I'm keen to hear where things are at with the Hiwaki Ekanoa program. Firstly, at what level is Beef and Lamb involved in the program? Yeah, it's it's probably... Um it's probably helpful to give a little bit of background as, as to why the program exists and, in fact, um, why Beef and Lamb New Zealand uh, got involved. And I, and I guess the, the very start of it was when the government, um, you know, decided that it was that it was time for agriculture to pay its fair share in terms of uh, emissions and, and contribution to climate change. And their proposal that that would be done through the through the ETS or the Emissions Trading Scheme. Um, and I guess when Beef and Lamb New Zealand uh, looked at that, um, we saw that it was an absolute risk uh, for our sector. And, and there was really um, two or three reasons um, uh, around that. Um, the, the first thing is, and Angus, I'm sure you're watching um, what's happening with the ETS and the carbon price. Mm. Um, you know, we, we absolutely saw that... Um, it was going to continue um, steaming upwards. Um, and actually, we would have no influence over that. And, and the pricing wasn't really going to uh, reflect uh, our sector's impact on climate change either. And, mm. and so there was a real concern there around the liability for farmers and what it would mean for them in terms of the profitability of their businesses and the knock-on to rural communities. Listen, the second thing that we were really concerned about is, um, and, and I've got to give credit to the government here, is that we've been through a process of looking at um, the various greenhouse gases, right, and their impact on warming. And to the government's credit, um, they have recognised that methane has a different warming impact to other gases. So methane has a short peak, and then sort of after 25 years or so, it's, it's pretty much uh, done, its, done its job and, and falls away to, to nothing. Whereas if you talk about carbon emissions, you know, they stay in the atmosphere for thousands of years and they continue on with that warming impact. Mm. And so the government and its legislation in New Zealand has recognised um, the different warming impacts and particularly methane, but we saw that that would be lost um, in the ETS, right? Because, mm. because um, everything would be tied up with the with the carbon price. The, the third thing about the ETS is really um, there is a whole lot of sequestration that is happening on sheep and beef farms. I think you'll, you'll well know we have 1.4 million hectares of native bush on, mm. on our sheep and beef farms. We've got 2.8 million hectares of what they describe as indigenous woody species. Mm. And, and, and we know that there is a whole lot of sequestration happening on that that is not currently recognised in the ETS, right? And, and so and so when we looked at those parameters in terms of the risk, um, the fact that farmers would not have a lot of control and that certainly they wouldn't be rewarded for some of um, the sequestration that was happening on their farms, um, we decided there had to be another way. So 
Um, Beef and Lamb New Zealand played a key leadership role in uh, grouping together with what turned out to be uh, 11 other industry organisations, including Māori, to say there's got to be a better way to do this, whereby we still play our part in, mm. in reducing warming, but we have something that better suits our industry, our gases, our profile, and, and delivers a superior approach. Mm. Um now, from my understanding, you're running roadshows throughout the country in 2022 on two alternatives to the ETS, yeah. to the ETS for farmers. Um, can you run me through what these alternatives are? Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, listen, it's fair to say in getting to this point, um, we just didn't dream up two alternatives. I think the, the, the team in Hewakek and I looked at, uh, I think it was 140 different approaches that might be taken. And, and so um, whittled them down to to these two as, as I guess, the, the primary yeah. um, runners. It's been and quite a process, say, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it has. It's, it has been a thorough process. And it's um, it's fair to say this stuff is not easy either, actually. Um, it's, it's not easy to find a, a model that, that suits... Um, 11 partners that that is fair to all 11 partners but but also um, achieves the goals that the government has right so the government has set down in legislation that a reduction of 10 percent in emissions by 2030 mm. and so that's ultimately the goal that Hewaka Ekana, um needs to achieve I just do want to emphasize though is that um, listen in terms of in terms of the targets that are set in the ETS um, we don't agree that they're necessarily the right targets, but we do agree that agriculture has to play their part. And, and really, um, Hewaki Kanao is about um, helping farmers to, to, to measure, to manage, to reduce their emissions and to provide them with the support um, to do that. So, Angus, on to, on to the two um, models that I guess that we're, that we're putting in front of um, farmers. The, the first is what we describe as a farm level levy. Um, and, and it's interesting to, to note, this is why um, there's a million models being done and a million things examined, is that um, pricing is just one factor that drives mm. um, human behaviour, right? Um, mm. and, and what we do know is that in the case of climate change or other environmental uh, things, there is, there is a combination of uh, people wanting to do the, the right thing by their family and, and their community. Um, some, some of the other times, uh, it's a it's a driver around um, it's a driver. It is a driver around price at times, or, or being able to achieve greater profitability. So that may be a premium um, in the marketplace. Sometimes it's around the incentive that's provided uh, for for people to get on board. Other times it's just about knowledge, right? Mm. Knowledge and understanding of the issues, and they go, "This makes sense to me," and so. When, when we've looked at these models, we, we've sought to, uh, to identify what are those factors that, that will drive change um, with farmers. So, so when it comes to the farm level uh, one, um, it's, it's based around every farmer um, paying a levy at the farm gate based on their, their direct emissions and their sequestration that's happening on their farm. And, and what we've done in both the... the, the the uh, process of hybrid levy that I'll describe in a minute and, mm. and the farm level levy is that um, 
we've identified we've we've played that split gas approach, which is to recognise the different impact that that methane has from carbon, that that from nitrous oxide, and and recognising those. The second thing we've done, Angus, is is that we've identified a bunch of other sequestration that's happening on farms that sits outside the ETS and sought to recognise farmers uh, for that. Mm. And so simply, when we look at the farm level one, there, there's a, there is a calculation that is A plus B minus C. So it's the emissions, it's the methane emissions at a, at a, at a price, it's the nitrous oxide uh, emissions at a price, uh, minus the sequestration uh, at a price. And, and the whole aim is, is really around um, raising, raising funds to do, to do uh, really three things. The, the first one is to um, you know, make sure farmers get the, the recognition for that sequestration. The second one is to create a fund that is going to develop new technologies and new solutions for the future. Mm. Because as you well know, there, there are not a lot of things that are sitting uh, on the shelf at the moment that farmers can use tomorrow to, to mm. reduce their emissions, right? Mm. So investment in uh, research and development and, and then investment in to support farmers uh, with change. So there are some pros and cons with this one. The, the first one is this, is that, you know, every farmer is control, in control of their own destiny, right? They, they report as accurately as they can around um, their own emissions and their own sequestration. So, so the ball is um, in their court. And the second thing is, is that really recycling of that revenue uh, back into the industry to support um, change uh, on farm. Now, the, the the downside with that option is that um, you've got to set up quite a bit of administrative structure around it, right? In terms of the reporting mechanisms, the mm. certification, the auditing, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, so there is a cost um, to that. But ultimately, you know, the real strength is is that the destiny um, sits with the farmer, and and we use that revenue to support. Mm. The farmer. So, so the second one that uh, that we're putting in far, front of farmers is called the the, the processor uh, hybrid levy. And so, in contrast to the farmer paying at the farm gate, if you want to call it that, um, there would be there would be a levy that's collected at the the processor. Mm. And um, I guess the advantage of a levy being collected at the processor is that we do this for all sorts of things at the moment and. And it's a pretty low administrative cost, right? Um, so, so easy to do, but mm. as you will quickly recognise, um, it doesn't actually capture everyone, right? Mm. Because if you use the example of sheep and beef farmers, we have a bunch of farmers that, uh, for example, just might be graziers. They just yep. might graze dairy replacements or mm. dairy cows or, or breeders. Whatever else. Yeah. yeah, yeah, some breeders too. And and listen. Most breeders now send a, a fair degree of their stock directly to slaughter, mm. but but you know as you've noted, there are a bunch that are that are store farmers, right? Mm. And 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 their sheep or and, and particularly cattle. Cattle often go through a number of hands mm. before they get to the processor. And and so in the in the the processor collected levy, then you're only really catching the funds off the processor, right? So so you might argue you've got some free free riders there and people that aren't going to pay. Um, for their emissions, but mm. but really, this is the the, the hybrid model is really um, around designing a transition, right? It says, listen, um, there aren't a whole lot of solutions that farmers can put in place um, tomorrow. Um, you know, the the targets that we have to hit and the change is is not dramatic in the scheme of things because 
Um, to give you some stats, uh, Angus, I mean, broadly, uh, you know, if we talk about methane emissions falling 10% by, by 2030, um, a couple of those percent need to come out of the industrial methane sector. Mm. Um, we the the uh, the calculations that um, have been been done around land use change, and, and that could be land use change from out of sheep and beef. Um, it could be uh, what's happening with dairy, where we're in high risk areas environmentally, or mm. it could be changes to horticulture. Um, they've calculated that there's probably another three or four percent that's going to occur through land use change, right? Mm. And, and so. Then what does that bring it back to the target for the industry is that we've we've got to achieve sort of another four to five percent mm. um, change on farm in terms of those absolute methane reductions. Um, so so what that sort of says to us is is listen the last thing we want to do is create a sledgehammer to crack a nut mm-hmm. um, in the first instance, particularly when we haven't got a lot of solutions easily to hand uh, for farmers. So so with the hybrid levy. Um, what, what the option is, is those farmers that want to get on board and, and say, listen, I've been working really hard at reducing my emissions and I've got a heap of sequestration here and and actually I'm, I'm really committed to doing my part for a, for a variety of reasons, right? Um, mm. So so there's what we call um, an emissions management contract and that's the ability of a farmer to sign up to a little bit like the farm level to give accurate information around their A plus B minus C. So mm. methane emissions, nitrous oxide emissions minus the sequestration and, and make a commitment to what they're going to do in terms of reducing those emissions um, over time. And in essence, um, be rewarded for that. And and that, yes, the balance of this is that it has that low administrative cost that allows early movers to get on board and really make a difference, um, but, but at the same time, not putting this massive um, administrative burden, as we might call it, a higher cost system on all of the industry mm. um, in the starting stages. And, and so that, Angus, is, is really um, is really the, the two models. So the first one, farm level, absolute um, accuracy around individual farmers and their emissions and their sequestration, um, but it has a bit of a higher cost uh, structure around it, but but you know we think that's ultimately mm. it's ultimately the right place to go in the long term, and then the second one, which is the hybrid, which which collects it, the levy not from all of the industry, but then provides um, incentives for those early movers to crack on um, and take action. Yeah. And so then, when, if we contrast those again with the ETS, um, ETS uh, absolutely no no control over the price or, or the levy in this case, if you want to call it. Um, in, in, in each of the cases of the, of the farm level and the hybrid one, we recognise those split gas approach or the different warming impacts of methane, whereas that's not recognised in the ETS. And thirdly, with both of those options, there's the opportunity to recognise um, that sequestration that's for, happening on farms but is falling outside the ETS. I believe it is really important for farmers to get involved with these roadshows, to have their say and help shape the future of their destinies. Join me next week to hear the second half of Sam's interview. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factum Agri.